This is the Umbrella Academy on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about Umbrella Academy Season 3, Episode 2, World's Biggest Ball of Twine. Five's briefcase. I'm going to try and get it back. How? I'm meeting Marcus again today. We're going to do a trade. Again? Yeah, I went to see him last night. Alone? What were you thinking? I needed to do something. Come on, for you, for, for all of us. What? What do you think? Well, if you think I'm not coming with you, you're insane. If you think I don't want you there with me, then you're even crazier. Welcome back, fellow Brollies, fellow alumni. This is TV Podcast Industries, and we are talking about Episode 2, World's Biggest Ball of Twine, from Season 3 of The Umbrella Academy. I am one of your hosts, John. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. And rounding out the Brawley Academy, I am Chris. Good stuff. Uh, Great to be back uh, Mm -hmm. as we delve into our spoiler-filled discussion of World's Biggest Bull of Twine. Derek, give us some of those details. The juicy ones, please, only. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm going to give you all the details. Uh, the series is based on the comic book series by Jared Way and Gabriel Ba. It was created for television by Steve Blackman and developed by Jeremy Slater, who is the lead writer on the show. This episode was directed by Cheryl Dunn, and we've talked about Cheryl Dunn on two of the shows that we've covered before. Uh, they directed an episode of Why the Last Man and an episode of Lovecraft Country. Uh, this is the first of two episodes that Cheryl is, cre- is directing for um, Umbrella Academy this season. Great. Oh. Cheryl, two shows that went before their time. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Fingers crossed that uh, that the, this is not the end of Umbrella Academy and that we leave, live to see season four. Absolutely. So we can come back again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Wild yeah. Last Man was excellent and Lovecraft Country was one of the best shows we've covered, I think, uh, Ever. on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Really good. Excellent yeah. stuff. So great. At least, at least Cheryl's getting some more work, huh? Yeah, definitely. The teleplay for this episode was written by Jesse McKeown. This is his third episode of uh, of Umbrella Academy. He did two episodes in last season as well. Mm, welcome back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, well, it, it's really exciting to have writers come back and yeah. to keep that feel of just sheer crazy off the wallness. I guess it's not just the Hargreaves that are family, huh? It is all the all the people behind the scenes as well. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for? The Umbrella Academy, Season 3, Episode 2, The World's Biggest Ball of Twine. Sure. With Marcus their number one missing, the Sparrows take a hostage in retaliation as Luther is kidnapped by the Sparrow siblings and held captive. While captive, Luther learns more about the Sparrows and bonds with their number five, Sloan. After being released by the Sparrows, along with a complimentary tote bag, <laughs> Luther drifts back up to Sloan where he spends the night. Leela attempts to head to Berlin and leave the city, but discovers that her commission briefcase no longer works. Trying to source a new briefcase, Leela mimics Faye's powers on the roof of the Sparrow Academy to steal the Umbrella's briefcase. Meanwhile, Diego and Stan bond after they fight with the Sparrow number 4, Alfonso, and number 6, Jamie. After learning of Sissy's death in 1989, Vanya takes lessons from her previous relationship to escape her box, as she reveals to his siblings that he, Victor, is transgender. Victor's siblings accept him with open arms. 
Alison travels home and makes a painful discovery, finding that Claire, her daughter, does not exist in this new timeline, sending her spiralling with grief and rage. As Victor pulls Alison out of her despair, both head to the handoff, where Marcus was meant to give them the briefcase, but he doesn't show. Unbeknownst to them, they are stalked by Lester. Klaus takes five on an eye-opening road trip to find Klaus's birth mother at an Amish community, but discovers his mother, along with all the mothers of the Umbrella siblings, died before they were ever born in this timeline, creating a grandfather paradox. All the while, further shockwaves from the growing Kugelblitz cause more waves of objects, humans and animals to disappear. Excellent. So after the introduction of all of the uh, new characters last episode, this feels like there's lots and lots more going on, setting up all the storylines for the season. So lots to discuss. So much to discuss. But, Derek, do you want to kick it off with your first point? Yeah, I think I'm going to talk about Victor um, up front. Um, I absolutely loved how the introduction of, uh, of Elliot Page's character, Victor Hargreaves, is handled in the show. I think it got tears the first time. I saw it because it's such a well-handled introduction of the character. I love the description that Victor gives that effectively when um, he met uh, Sissy back in the 60s, Sissy was saying that they were they were both in a box and it takes someone to bring that key to you and show you your box. And if you don't, once you discover that, you want to get out of it effectively. So, um, so it's so well done. I love the rest of the family are like, well, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. Uh, five saying, I'm so proud of you. Um, and then, of course, as it's the Umbrella Academy turning into a joke, uh, because Victor has come to them telling that, telling them that he's gone to talk to Marcus, the number one of the Sparrow Academy, and uh, five going, you didn't have the authority to do that. So <laughs> I do love you. I really, really love this for you. I'm really proud of you, but you didn't have the authority to do that. So uh, really like that. But I think it was so well handled. The conversation between uh, Victor and Alison was really good. I love that uh, Alison doesn't notice any change um, to begin with. It's just a conversation between siblings as exactly as they always have had. Um, and then we have the moment where they discuss with each other uh, about the feelings that Victor had had in the past of not yeah. feeling uh, safe in their own skin of of feeling that that's what everybody sees when they see themselves in the mirror is uh, this feeling that you don't belong and then Alison saying uh, look at yourself now what do you see and Victor responding it's me it's me that I see now um, so I loved it loved, loved that moment and Alison saying well there's absolutely nothing in the world that you could do that would change the fact that you're my sibling you're the person that I have loved for all these years um, which I yeah. think is it's, it's so well handled so well done well done to the show for uh, for doing such a great job 100% like I know you said you welled up I, I, I bawled mm. like this fully got me and I happily kind of like just owned it because I was just mm -hmm. it was one of those what you would want any brother sister daughter ch husband wife child what like anyone who is part of your family you would want them to have this experience mm -hmm. anyone in the world you would want them yeah. to have this experience when they make this life-changing change yeah they, this decision to show them their real self their their true self which again as Victor says, it's the real me. Exactly. So, just so well handled, so beautifully put together. Yeah. And then, hammered home by the different interactions with the siblings. Yeah. Just all of them doing the, 
in their own way, just being accepting of who Victor is. Um, this, I'm not going to lie, this was a huge question mark for me. Right. When Elliot Page um, became Elliot Page, I was questioning how this is going to be handled mm-hmm. so much in the show. Not because I expect them to drop the ball. and th- It's just there is so few well-handled uh, overall kind of different storylines across Hollywood. There are some really kind of good examples across um, kind of LGBTQ stuff and trans stuff mm-hmm. and coming out stories and all these different, but there's a, like, there's a few well-known ones that are, I'm mean, just luckily more and more and more, mm-hmm. but it was always that, 50 50 chance how they like they could easily drop the ball on this you'd be like oh god no please don't yeah but it seems that they worked with elliot to really show the positive side of how this could be handled absolutely yeah i think so yeah i mean i it was just so well done and i really hope that they asked elliot page you know how he wanted it to come across, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. so that worked with him and the writers, you know, and I, I just thought this was so, so well done. It was beautifully to the point. Mm-hmm. It was understated, but reinforced. Yeah. And then the siblings went back to bickering yep. or exactly. to, to just being siblings. And I thought that was, that was the power of this is that with the reasons for the being given by Victor, the, the family just hugged, said they were okay. And then it went back to the, the bickering. It went back to say Diego concerned about his alleged spawn it was um as you say allison not even noticing but then you know insisting they go as a team and that wouldn't change so and then also having that moment with allison taking uh, taking a second to just have that discussion between each other i think that was that was also really good as well um having that scene between the two of them um, yeah, really, yeah. Really good. and I think linking it back to Sissy uh, uh, as well mm-hmm. uh, was just really good, you know, um, as well. I think just the other element of that is we see that they are known as the Kennedy Six. That's right. Uh, yeah. Just before she finds the page where um, she sees that Sissy has died, and um, that they they are the Kennedy Six, the Umbrella Academy. That's right. Yes, yes. Uh, a, a potential. Killers of John yes. F. Kennedy back in uh, back in that, the last season, um, but overall, this, this, this my point really is the show has always been a really queer friendly show. It's a yeah. show that does do yeah. representation really well, deals with it very very well, as we saw particularly in season two. So I'm glad they've been able to incorporate Victor so well as a character this season, and, and Elliot Page is a fantastic actor, a real center of the show. First build uh, on on the on the show as well, so it would have been a real shame if uh, if he'd left the show if they hadn't found a way to incorporate Victor into the season. But I don't that was ever in question. It was uh, mm. I think it was posed to um, to Jared Way, the writer of the comic book, and he just went, "I don't see any reason why the character can't be uh, can't be Victor rather than Vanya." There's no uh, no issues that he could see in his in his mm. comic book writing. So um, so I'm glad they were able to to work it into the show really well. 
Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we've seen it across multiple properties where they, they swap genders and things like that in, in, within characters from when they translate the medium and it's worked fine. So mm-hmm. since, uh, the, they've done press for this, it has come out that Elliot Page kind of, yeah, he sat down and he, he sat with the writers and the showrunner and everything and just essentially went, this is how I'm seeing it. And they went, yeah, okay, well, hold on. Mm-hmm. If we put this bit here and this bit here, this, and they worked hugely collaboratively. Yeah. And it apparently just, it kind of worked and it's, that simple Hollywood exactly just yeah. worked. No, excellent stuff. Yeah, Chris, what is your big moment uh, from episode two? Oh, I am very much quick and easy. It is road tripping with number five. <laughs> yes, this was just the overall Amish road trip <laughs> that Klaus <laughs> and number five take as uh, number five is in retirement. He is kicking up his feet. He wants to to go on this road trip with his brother because no one else will. And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. What else am I doing? It is fine. Unbeknownst that Klaus is secretly trying to find their birth parents mm. because he, years ago, in, uh, in a drug-addled haze, stole the uh, the receipt or the the note that was written against the check. Yes, the check stuff. Yes, yes, I remember those. For those <laughs> of you who are too old, checks were paper, not paper money, <laughs> but paper that you would basically give to someone else that allowed them to take money from your account. Yes, yes, an interesting little uh, touch there as well that it was only three grand uh, to get <laughs> Klaus from his mother, uh, and that's the question he wants to pose if he meets his mother. Why was it only three grand? Why wasn't it five grand or six grand? Why only three grand? Exactly. Which I really like about Klaus. Yeah. Uh, these two characters together, fantastic. I love five and Klaus together. Really oh, they, cool. they were so, um, they were kind of really cute together. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just love the whole premise of this, uh, given what happens by the end, mm-hmm. which is number five thinking he's retired. Why not? Let's go on a road trip, get fresher because he's been stuck with farts from all the boys in the hotel room. Mm-hmm. Love that. You know, you have number five saying, so you want me as an emotional schnauzer uh, <laughs> as you look for your birth mother. That's and then I just love how this unfolds that Klaus is Amish, <laughs> with, uh, you know, and I love how that kind of unfolds with... The, the this new pulse coming from the the ball of energy uh, and five seeing all the cows sort of disintegrating um and he's like working it out he's writing on the car all the equations and i love the klaus running over the hill chased by armish uh-huh. uh, directly taken from Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark, except this time it's not a seaplane. Mm-hmm. It is a car with number five scrolling equations on it yep. to work out uh, uh, and figure out that they've created a grandfather paradox um, because all the mothers were dead before any one of the Umbrella Academy were born. So technically they shouldn't be there. They shouldn't exist. This for me was the cool, aha, you're going to do something really cool now. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Yeah. Because I'm just this. So when they was just when they started setting it up, and as you said, like the last episode was very much the all right. This is the premise for the season one. I was like, okay, cool. Like alternative versions, but not actual, just doppelgangers. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm down. And I was like, oh, when Klaus says he wants to see his birth mother, I'm like, oh, cool. Are we going to actually find his doppelganger? Are we going to see a Klaus off? Kind of like exactly. it was going to be cool. But then this episode here and then in multiple other bits when, oh, no, here's your storylines. Here you go. Here, Here's some sprinkling of this. Here's this interesting thread. Here's this thread. And this was the one that really starts to, that I'm most intrigued about, to see well, how did the parents die? Yeah. Like, what is the, like, what is the effect of that? And all these little things. So now they don't have to worry about doppelgangers at all. Yeah, interestingly, yeah. I think coming into this season, I thought I was just expecting to see each of the actors play a different yeah. version of themselves that yeah. they bump into or wouldn't maybe wouldn't even bump into, that there will be just another version of themselves in this world. But that's gone now, right? Um, yeah, pretty much. They, yeah, pretty much. Because, they, they, like... You do want to see Klaus off, though. Come on. You, you, like, you really like, do. The re- like, our Klaus versus, like, a straight-laced, like, business suit Klaus. <laughs> yeah, but when you say versus, worked. we know what's going to happen. We've heard from uh, from uh, Klaus what was going to happen. He is just going to be trying to seduce straight-laced yes. Klaus for the season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which would be hilarious as well, Robert Jean could definitely do that. But whether he would do that, given that the armor should have been totally ruined for him mm. at forevermore, because <laughs> they were not friendly towards him at all. Absolutely. They gave him nothing about his mother. You know, I really just love that. Um, you're supposed to be friendly. <laughs> like, and of course, I like that, you know, that they do call, uh, the English, um, mm-hmm. the, because they have, um, their, their own roots. They see them separate from the English speaking descendants. So really going back to, I guess, you know, the, the, the 17th century or 18th century. Uh, so really kind of nice little touch in, in the dialogue there as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Damn right. English. <laughs> but yeah, that's my point for this episode. Johnners, what is your top moment? English. Not anymore. Um, yeah, it's the lovebirds. It is Luther and Sloane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw in episode one just a little glint, a little flutter of the, of those little lovebirds between uh. each other. But I love that held under capture. At the, the Sparrow Academy, mm-hmm. we, we get this blossoming of love at first sight from episode one. I just loved Luther in this moment. Firstly, being chased and being captured. Just him playing that dumb optimist <laughs> so, so well. You know, tucking into breakfast, doing his peanut butter, thinking, you know, um, it, it got a simple plan here. Well, if you just let me go, I'll get Marcus, bring him back, and it's basically no harm, no foul. Uh, we're we're <laughs> even. It's like you know, he thinks he's literally going to tuck into breakfast, get up, walk out, yeah. and that will be it. It's over. Um, and I love the, uh, the just the crazy little touch of when Ben says that he's free to go, giving him the complimentary tote bag. <laughs> Unless so there's something really ominous in no. that complimentary tote bag, but I don't think so. This is just like just the off, 
you know, from left field. And here you go. We're the Sparrow Academy. Here's mm-hmm. our merch. Um, I really just love that so much. And then just the, the, the little conversation with Sloane mm-hmm. and he t- he's talking about, you know, he spent time on the moon, but you know, I just love that it got solved and and was rectified within the episode it's not something that was drawn out that you know he he thinks he's being honey trapped by her um and so he's kind of a bit you know he becomes defensive from her but as he leaves with his tote bag um sloan effectively lifts him up towards her window Mm -hmm. apologizes and they have a kiss but Again, another little bit of insight into the sparrows that my family are crazy, she says. Um, and I meant every word uh, of what I said to you whilst mm-hmm. you were there, you know, yeah. in particular about the moon. So this is just really nice. I think the other nice bit, you mentioned it for uh, our discussion on episode one. You know, he's there looking at in amazement at all the, you know, at the fitness center mm-hmm. All this kind of stuff, and you know, he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'm supposed to leave. This is how I wanted to do it." And then Ben died, and we kind of just went our own ways. You well, know? exactly, and that's and that's fundamental to the story of the Umbrella Academy, yeah. right? That's that's right back to the start. They were a cohesive unit who used to fight crime. Then Ben died. Ben's not dead in in this group. He's central to the group. In fact, he seems to want to be leader. Uh, while Marcus isn't there. Um, love that discussion with Ben where he's telling Luther Marcus got kidnapped and Luke's, Luke, Luther's going, did he? <laughs> Ben's kind of going, but you're number one. You're supposed to know everything and have all the plans. And Luther's going, that's not really how our family works at all. Yeah. So, so this version of the Sparrow Academy is what Luther has always wanted to have yeah. for his family. Since he's been number one, he always wanted to be in the lead. He wanted to have plans. He wanted to have training uh, with all of them together. So they work as a cohesive unit but they don't have that at all. Uh, but the other element, as you say, of, of the this episode really is Luther and Sloane, I think is hilarious. I love it from right back from when they first met eyes in episode one. Literally, the way he deals with Sloane is different to the way he deals anybody else in the Sparrow <laughs> Academy. He looks at her and it's, hi, my name's Luther. Um, yeah, he's or, so happy. Yeah, like in the first episode, he was measuring them up for a fight, except for Sloan, even during that fight sequence. Yeah. And now this episode, uh, obviously, he's got the puppy dog eyes for the whole time. Um, and again, you see what Luther's been put under by his family. He was stuck on the moon doing missions, what he thought was a proper mission from Reginald Hargreaves for years. And the rest of his family basically slagged him off about the fact that he was sent off planet. <laughs> yeah. But it is very cool that he was up on the moon, isn't it? Isn't that a cool thing to, to have done? There's not that many people in the world who've done it. So when Sloane gives him the compliment, says she, that sounds so wonderful that you're up there, he instantly thinks that he's being honey-trapped and that, that she's lying to him about that. So she underlines again when they meet later on, no, no, that is really cool. I'm really excited about that. But so. it's because Faye comes in, uh, the number three, yes. and so Sloane suddenly becomes guarded, and yeah. that's how, why he thinks he's so disappointed. So it's just, it's a really nice kind of, the kind of the ups and downs here of Luther's life, but also Luther's love life in exactly. this instance. So it was really good, yeah. yeah. And I do love yeah. that the episode started with him uh, going for his run, happy as anything, because 
he's met Sloane, uh, effectively. Yeah. That's, that's what it feels like at the start of the episode as well. So, really and, Oh, but just him getting chased by those birds, though. Mm-hmm. That was so cool. Yeah. Like, that, that was the, the... We talked about the ravens trying to kind of bite their way through the door in episode one. Here, seeing them just go after kind of in like dive mode was just fantastic it just yeah. and that was like the birds for me exactly exactly yeah. really really good yeah so let's hope it ends happily ever after for luther and sloan um, oh come on you know i won't. know but you know he needs he needs some happiness in his life he's yeah. all he's all sort of chirped up and you know he's kind of puffing out his breast uh, a bit there so uh you know yeah. let's hope like but he, he had spent what 14 years pine, pining after allison effectively yeah so, that is true um so he needs something true. new she's, she's been married twice now yeah. so uh, and is still married to a guy in the 60s and uh only just got divorced from yeah the guy in current day right so yeah uh, yeah Speaking of that, I've got uh, just one note just on, sure. on Alison's journey in this episode, because it's quite a big one. Um, yeah. Effectively, she left the 60s on the understanding she was going back to her daughter, going back to Claire, who yeah. was the central person in her life. Um, we saw the kind of opening of the series with Alison was that her husband had found out that she'd used her rumor powers on him to keep him um, at bay. And that she'd used her rumor powers on, more importantly, their daughter, Claire, whenever she wanted Claire to calm down or go to sleep, she would use her powers on them. So yeah. she had ended that situation in a pretty bad place. Yes. And then went off to the sixties. Yeah. Had a new, a new husband with Ray back and back then, um, lived with him. But the heartbreak of Alison when she has given up this amazing relationship in the sixties has come back to, uh, to present day and then finds out that her daughter doesn't exist and has never existed. Um, her husband has no idea who she is. He's got a, a completely different wife in that home with a completely different child. The heartbreak of Alison is, is really palpable. Yeah. And, but also, you know, she does say to herself, something is very wrong, yeah. which ultimately number five learns about the, yeah. um, yeah. yeah. Whilst in art in the Amish country. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm right in saying that if I remember rightly, right back to the start of the, of the first season, Alison was an, was a well-known actress as well, wasn't she? She was yes. a, she was a popular figure. So yeah. if she turned up in his home, he, if she still had that life and still existed in this world, you would expect him to go, Oh, exactly. you're the woman off TV or you're the woman from, uh, that I've seen in the cinema. Why are you doing, why, what are you doing in my house? But yeah. he has no recognition yeah. at all of her. So, uh, so her entire life is gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like Jennifer Lawrence just kind of randomly breaking into your house and essentially going after your kid. And you're like, who? <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence? Why? J-Law, what are you doing? Why? Why? Like, Yeah. 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 So he didn't have that reaction. So I guess her life is, is non-existent here, right? Yeah. Well, we, we as we find out in the end of the episode, they're all dead. Yeah. yeah. They were never born. There never is more. something very wrong afoot, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the only notes I've got are... Diego the daddy. Um, I love the ear medicine thing. Um, I just don't know. Remind me of school. Um, and things like that, you know, sort of kids being awful to one another. And uh, I think that's it. Diego the daddy is a big kid. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of has now Stan. Um, but what I loved about this, again, I love just the speed of it. You know, I guess it's the nature of this show is 
you know, there's the whole repulsion of the ear oozing its pus because Stan hasn't had his ear medicine. But it but smells of cat puke. Well. <laughs> it smells of cat <laughs> puke. little extra detail um, to, to put you off your dinner. Exactly. <laughs> but I love then that the ground rules are set and that you can stay. But even with that sort of progression from Diego, he's still alleged spawn. He's constantly uh-huh. saying alleged son. Um, but there is that real nice moment where he says, you know, my dad was an asshole um, and I always promised I wouldn't be if I had a kid. And I have one, uh, but I do have a lot on my shoulders, so you need to take a back seat. So yeah. I really kind of like that. And then the bonding over the, the the fight where ultimately you have um, Stan throwing the cans uh, at Jamie and Alfonso mm-hmm. in the in the pharmacy as he's gone to go and get his ear medicine. So I just I really like this play out um for for Diego. And I, I think the kid that plays Stanley, um I think uh Yavon Walton or Yavon Wanna Walton, mm-hmm. um there's something about his smirk, his looks that kind of mirror what Diego is doing. Mm-hmm. So there's just that real great connection he's kind of like you know stay off me dad but there's also this kind of looking up to his dad he still wants to impress you know, him he still yeah. wants to impress him so i think a really nice dynamic between these two so uh mm-hmm. that was just the other the note i had really absolutely do you think he has powers his both of his parents are powered do you think his yeah. earwax is being super smelly? He like puts his finger in and flicks it and it's like acid, like some stupid parrot related to his earwax. Do you think that's it? It's like Jamie's venom from a mouth, but yeah. it just comes from his ears. Hmm. And he has to kind of like flick his head and just we see it. Like, oh. Or maybe it's simply as good as he's got a really good throwing arm for, for tins of food. Yeah, yeah it could yeah. be that silly. Like, Dad has knives, I have tins. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know why I didn't even think of that, of course, because we haven't had any of the 43 kids um, that were born. Or 16. Exactly. We haven't had any of the 43 kids or the 16 that were born um, in 1989, October 1st. Um, we've had kids together, right? So uh, this will be the first. So maybe that's something that will play out uh, later on in the season. I never even thought of that. Mm-hmm. What I was wondering, though, did you notice with um, with Alfonso and uh, and Jamie, who were who were in that, that drugstore, did you notice the way they walked around as if they owned the place? Yeah. Yep. Again, another indication that they're... Uh, that they are treating the world as if it's theirs, yeah, uh, yes. almost. Well, Jamie was actually shoplifting and just eating the stuff in the in the aisles, yeah. and security were like, "Fine, get you know." Yeah. She did do a little hiss at them, yeah, exactly. uh, to tell to tell them that um, she, she had powers, and we and we saw that last episode where they were first introduced. They went in, saved um, the owners of a pizza place from an attack, and then just took the pizza yeah. as their reward. So. It feels like they feel a, a sense of ownership of this. I will say I have no idea about Alfonso's powers now. Yeah. I'm so confused. Um, is it that he has to be aware of the punch coming towards him or a hit coming towards him and then he steals himself to send the pain back at the person because they were in battle and Diego definitely got a number of hits in and didn't get anything back on him. Yet Stanley throws... 
a knife at him, doesn't he, or a scalpel well, or something at him, and the cut appears on Stanley's leg. So yeah. he wouldn't have been prepared for that. So it's not about position on the body of where the where it lands. Which is so, what I was thinking. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm confused by his power. I guess yeah. it's just used um, whenever they want it to be used again. Yeah, it's the I'm rubber, you're glue. Whatever you do bounces off me and hits you. Exactly. That's yeah. it. Well, it is. It, sh- it should be, but it doesn't happen all the time. Yeah, it's not consistent. So, I yeah. took it exactly. It didn't, and then I was. I saw the exact same fallacy in that, and then I went, "Oh, Diego's stealing himself. He's like taking the hit as he kicks and punches Alphonse." Mm. That's the way I pseudo explained it to myself to okay. get through this part <laughs> because I was like, "Yeah, hold on, wait, the what?" Like, yeah. or does Alphonse just need, they, they'll explain it like they're going to show this power off like consistently as they get into fights and like, then someone's going to go, hold on, what? Huh? Like, they'll have to explain it. Yeah. Well, let's hope it's, uh, it, maybe it will get explained later in the, in the series. Yeah. I'm just not yeah. too sure if Umbrella Academy is the show that does that though. Probably um, not. I but nonetheless. <laughs> I think Umbrella Academy are kind of going, Look, isn't it funny that someone punches him in the face and his chin falls off? Or isn't that really funny that the guy looks like he's totally messed up because he gets punched quite a lot or yeah. whatever? That's kind of yeah. as far as, as deep as they may go with this. But yeah, just want to say I noticed it and, and we all uh, noticed it in the fight, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Any further notes before we move on? I have on? one one final one that made me... I, I It's either going to pay off and be something or nothing. Um, essentially... The in the encyclopedia, Sissy's death is their birthday. Mm, interesting. Ooh, interesting stuff. Mm. Yeah. So literally in the encyclopedia it calls out and the only reason the only reason that has stuck in my head is because we heard it last episode. The date, their birthday. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no. So that's going to be something. Yeah. And they're telegraphing it now if you look and kind of cop it. So I don't know what it means yet, but it's definitely something. Excellent stuff. Good, stuff. Good spot there, Chris. Or it's a total coincidence, and I'm now just doubling down on something that's just nah. never going to pay off. There, there's no way the writers don't know the 1st of October 1989. There's, there's yeah. no way that that's, yeah. they would mention it for any reason other than it matters. And there's a few things here that are just caught just sort of glancingly by the camera as well, I mm. think, in this uh, one that will form the... The basis of the Obsidian Lounge uh, pub quiz. Mm-hmm. But before we get on to that, briefly, Chris, um, what did you think of this episode? I'm so happy to be back with the Academy. Like, we, I, I, I've been saying this quite a lot recently in, our, in all our different discussions across the different shows. But I'm happy to be in these worlds with these characters and we went through some up and downs in different seasons and different shows. Like some have been great, some have been, some have been impacted by COVID. Let's put it mm-hmm. that way, and visibly impacted in their writing and the style and the filming and just like we're not getting that here. They they took the time and it shows that yeah. we're not, or maybe they were, and maybe we're just. It's been designed that we don't see these cracks, but I'm just so happy to each episode's building and each episode is getting better and better and I'm enjoying 
being in these worlds because let's also be honest, the real world sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, overall enjoying it and want to move on to episode three. Excellent stuff. Derek, what did you think? Yeah, I love this episode, um, particularly uh, with the introduction of Victor in the episode. I think that was just such a special moment um, for the show and how well it was handled. Really, really enjoyed that. Uh, and overall, again, just spending time with these characters. Chris, you called out last episode the title of this one being the world's biggest ball of twine. Will we see the threads forming for the season? We absolutely do. But I love that there is literally a moment with Five and Klaus looking at the world's <laughs> biggest ball of twine and describing them as a family and picking it apart in their brain. You know, you're bound together and it takes so long to pull you all apart. The two of them going through all these descriptions of what this meaning is. So they're also dissecting the name of the episode yeah. in the episode. Love it. Really, really good. Yeah. How about yourself, John? Yeah. Same here. I just really loved being back with the Umbrella Academy. I give this five complimentary tote bags out of five. <laughs> um, you know, I... We, we should also remember those that we were lost. Uh, you know, we did have Penny Crumb from episode one, but we did have the lobsters in the lobster tank. Um, and then the whole, yeah, and then the whole field of cows, uh-huh. uh, which got, you know, the number five seeing that, you know, his retirement was very, very short lived. Mm-hmm. Um, after he'd planned that, sort of main tourist and sort of roadside attractions uh, as they went round. So I really, really enjoyed that whole sort of road trip. As you said, um, I think, you know, we have to acknowledge just the importance of what Umbrella Academy has done here with uh, Elliot Page and with Victor from mm-hmm. Vanya to Victor in this, just as a very beautiful very understated in many respects yep. and um you know the acceptance of uh victor's family here mm-hmm. then so really nicely done heartbreak for allison and you know i guess those bonds th- those threads becoming a little stronger between diego and stanley as well as with luther and sloan so there's just some really nice uh, interactions here, but absolutely loved it. Five complimentary tote bags out of five for me. Excellent. And we didn't even mention Lila and her briefcase is yes. not working. Um, <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Which was absolutely hilarious. Was. I love that when a briefcase doesn't work, she's smashing it right beside a, chi- a child's play area and she's saying every word under the every sun. Every curse word. Oh, awesome. Loved it. It does make me wonder, does that mean the commission doesn't exist in this timeline? Is that something that was created by connection to the Umbrella Academy? Um, and because they don't exist in this timeline, the commission themselves don't exist, and that's why she can't travel anymore. Is it something to do with that? Could be. Um, so I uh, thought that was really interesting. And we didn't mention Lester uh, appearing in this episode because he was watching uh, Alison and uh, and Victor in the cafe. Yeah. Um, Allison goes and chases him down. He's disappeared. And he also seems to have powers, Lester. He seems like there's a frost around him uh, Mm -hmm. when he's in hiding, which is quite interesting. So uh, maybe another one of the kids. Yeah. He does seem a lot older than the rest of them, but um, but maybe another one of the kids. Uh, He's super old, aging, superpower. There you go. Told you there was loads to talk about in this episode. 
Uh, Absolutely. We <laughs> We've gone all the way through it, and I think we've talked about everything. So let's go, go on over to the Obsidian Lounge for this episode's pub quiz question. John, question number two. Yes. Who cut the ribbon at the opening of the Hotel Obsidian? Ooh, blink and you'll miss it. That blink one. and you'll miss it indeed. <laughs> but if you've read the comics, it's also in the comic books. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Stop giving clues, people. All right. I'm not giving a clue. I didn't even notice it. Very good. Do you want to give the question one more time? Yes. Who cut the ribbon at the opening of the Hotel Obsidian? Excellent. That's two questions of the 10. Uh, put them all together and email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with all your answers for all the podcast questions. And you could get your hands on some Umbrella Academy goodies. Yes. But if you want to do more than that, you can head on over to patreon.com. Why? Because this episode of TV Podcast Industries is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon, including Lisa Sweat. Thank you so much, Lisa. Yes, thank you so much, Lisa, for supporting us over on Patreon. Great stuff. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, Lisa. Uh, you can also support us on Patreon. You just go on, go on over to patreon.com slash TV Podcast Industries and you can support us with any monthly amount. Uh, you can also buy us a coffee by going over to buymeacoffee.com slash tvpi and uh, buying a one-off coffee for us yes you would do it too if you've seen the amount of content we're making at the moment Uh (laughs) absolutely (laughs) and of course you can also support us by subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends family and everyone in between and beyond uh, remember sharing the podcast is of course sharing the love yes it is uh, it's much like a ball of twine yes. <laughs> uh, as yes. we, well exactly the threads of the podcast weaving through the world in one lovely audio signal there you go there, there we go, go. Uh, of course as well you can also support us by sending in feedback as well. A great way uh, to send in your thoughts, theories, comments, mm-hmm. observations, you name it, uh, on the shows that we cover. So let us move into our feedback for this episode of Umbrella Academy. Yeah, I completely yes. forgot that we used to call feedback messages from the future. We did indeed. Oh, yeah, Because the show was all about time travel, so we call it messages from the future. So maybe uh, letters to the Obsidian Hotel? It could be, yes. (laughs) First up, we have an email from Coffee and Vodka. Yes, Coffee Vodka, this to say, Greetings, fellow Passover defenders. The two major points of these two episodes are Reginald's decision to replace his original Chosen Seven with another, creating a rift in time, and Elliot Page's reintroduction to the viewers. In between these, however, we got a nicely building set of new scenarios, each more insurmountable than the last. Alison's non-existent daughter, the love child from Lila, a possible doppelganger dilemma, the lost case, a more disciplined family as antagonists, a hungry growing orb, possibly the result of their arrival creating a double rift, mm-hmm. and a lost dog. There's a <laughs> lot to unpack. It's nice to see the Hotel Obsidian, they're Danny the Street as a new character. Just a side note here. Danny the Street is from DC, is actually a boy who is a street. Oh, very Literally, good. it's from the Doom Patrol uh, and other DC properties. But uh, just, yeah. I'm just yeah. inserting that for anyone who doesn't know who Danny the Street is. Yep, thanks, Chris. Thanks. No worries. <laughs> Coffee Vodka went on to say, and number one, finally getting some respect and just get some. Oh, yes. It's taken a couple of seasons to get past... 
my seeing the show as intro to the Doom Patrol 101, but this third season, for some reason, is doing the trick. Four Amish assailants out of five. Peace and take care. Coffee and vodka. Yes, thank you so much, Coffee and Vodka. I see what you mean about the Doom Patrol. Umbrella Academy has always been it's the opposite way for me. I've kind of really enjoyed Umbrella Academy, where I've never really kind of gotten my kind of, or the Doom Patrol has never got their teeth into me mm. um, in that. But I do know it is the show with Brendan Fraser is absolutely beloved. The comic books are iconic for their art style and some of the storylines. Um, and I think it's just that kind of, yeah, it, like each to their own, each have different each of the different characters and each of the different stories and the comics have their own pros and cons and much like the show as well. But I'm glad it's finally kind of this season is starting to pull you in mm-hmm. and I can, I welcome aboard. Absolutely. Is the only thing I can say. Welcome. You have your own room in the hotel. <laughs> exactly. Thanks so much, Coffee Vodka, for your thoughts. Yeah. Thanks so much, Coffee and Vodka. Over on our Facebook group, uh, Dr. Bob Phillips said, I had seen lots of social media non-spoiler comments about how well the show had handled Elliot's transition, and they were not wrong. Mm -hmm. This was pitched perfectly and believable to the characters. It looked like the actors were all completely on board too. Second best bit of the episode was the Benny Hill-like trail of Amish after Klaus. (laughs) But that's a close-run thing against Leela's rage against the machine bench-bashing. Uh, absolutely um the i totally i think we're all absolutely with you there uh dr bob mm-hmm. around just how well this was pitched yeah. uh, and delivered and believable and i think you're right yes you can really see um the actors as well as the characters mm-hmm. on board uh here too and um, and yes less benny hill trail of amish and more the opening of Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Star. Exactly, exactly. Two hilarious moments there yes. uh, with the Amish chasing and uh, Lila's rage. Uh, absolutely love that moment. Really, really good. Yes. Thanks so much, Dr. Bob. And thanks to everybody for sending in your feedback uh, so far for the episodes. You can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries to share your thoughts about any of our episodes of Umbrella Academy or any of the episodes of the shows we cover, because we're covering those, uh, still covering Miss Marvel and the boys at the moment. So uh, you can get your thoughts in on those episodes as well. Yes, to make sure you never miss an episode on any of the shows we do, head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com and make sure you subscribe to each and every feed in each and every place. And make sure you leave us an old like and a review where you can. Yes, uh, we will be back next time with Umbrella Academy Episode 3, A Pocket Full of Lightning. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, so we hope you'll join us for Episode 3 of Umbrella Academy. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for joining us. Speak to you again next time. Ta-ta for now, and don't forget your brolly. Yep, thanks so much, fellow brollies. Uh, Great having you, as always. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and stay out of the rain. Bye. Bye. Bye.